It's December 10th, 2023. My name's Jorge. I'm Savannah. And you're listening to Just Plebs. Um, hello. Hello. Uh, how is your... How is your... <laughs> I'm trying. There we go. Um, <laughs> well, some interesting stuff happened. In uh, the world? I-, I would say probably the most important thing. Yeah? Uh, is there anything you'd want to recall no, first? Or, or, seems... or do you think I need to address it first on... Like think, the first thing. I think yours seems like the most important thing. We really need to start with that one. Alrighty. Here we go. She's been this sort of light in the world Holy this year. Shit. She's brought so many people together. Thank you for writing music that expresses feelings nobody else can express. It's more of like a community too. It's not even just her. It just made me feel like I wasn't alone and I wasn't crazy for feeling the way that I was feeling. We grew up together. We all went through the same things together. You would think this is like the Hamas-Israel, like, soul sisters fighting through it. I was going to ask, is this like the next, like, Gandhi? Right. It's a massive stadium, and it feels like you're with her one-on-one. Beyonce. Friendship bracelets are a huge part of the era's tour. These bracelets are so important. Exchanging special handmade friendship bracelets. It all goes back to Taylor's song, You're on Your Own Kid. So my friends and I got tickets to the era's tour. We had about 200 bracelets made. We just couldn't stop. We really just had a good time doing it. These, I'm sorry, my only gripe has always been with this sort of situation. It's whatever. She can make her money and that's fine. But these women are in their late to like early to late 30s. Well, that's how old she is. I get it. I get it. I'm just, you know, I've just, I've always griped with that. I I don't feel like anyone at that age group should be listening to, um, I don't know. Why? I I don't know. I just, I, I, there's something about her. She's not exactly, exactly talented. Per se, she's not like an incredible singer. Well, why she's would not she a good, be so popular for 15 plus years? Really sweet marketing. I mean, look at the start really of that. Really sweet marketing? Look, I mean, yeah, of course. so far. What do you mean? What do you mean, what do you mean? That, that only, only goes, goes so, so far. far. Look how well they got if the vaccines good, to be put in place. No, like, that's incredible marketing. This to, if they're not a good performer, then nobody's going to watch them regardless of how much marketing and how much budget they have. I, I disagree. Well, I disagree that you disagree. <laughs> Didn't she win before? Win what? Uh, Time uh, Magazine's Person of the Year. That's what you're trying to get. Oh, at. sorry. So yes, I'll Times... just I'll I'll cut to my news clip. Yeah, just I made. don't. That was a long Time clip. Magazine has announced Taylor Swift is its Person of the Year. Congratulations <laughs> no to you! Wow! Congratulations to you! Wow! Yes. yes. So there, there you Stop have it. it. <laughs> Whoa, dude! Stop it! Stop really, it. where we are. I mean. <laughs> But they make her seem like she like traveled across the world on a single engine plane. It's just she's Amelia Earhart all of a sudden. Especially the photo is ridiculous. The photo? Yeah, have you seen her? Oh, of the cover? Yeah. <laughs> you don't she, like the photo? Uh no. I really despise that lady. I don't know why. She's up there what? with Lizzo for me. I don't know. Just annoying. Is it her herself? It, I think it's her fans. It, I think it's, it's her fans. fans. I think it's the fans. The music's fine. It's, it's not exactly great. Anyway, let's continue. Sorry. Handedly lifting Jackie. up the American economy. Take okay. the floor, Jackie. She Make deserves. The case. Uh, yeah. 
Jackie, just can't, we just can't believe it. Oh my God, T Swift won. Are we really surprised though? Are we really? Why should she get it? Well, who cares? No, I mean, okay, sure. I'll give you the marketing bit for this one, not for your whole argument, but yes, I mean, this year has been marketing for Taylor Swift the entire year, right? For the Eras Tour. That has been in the news and with, you know, her relationship with Travis Kelsey. Planned. She has been in probably every single, you know, the amount of time she's been mentioned in news sources is is just in this year alone. I'm not surprised. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, they no sound one's shocked. Though. Nobody is shocked. This is like, okay, it's just another marketing tactic, right? It makes sense. <laughs> Like who else would be the person of the year? This if woman it sounds like Taylor she's. Swift? This woman sounds like she's gonna have a stroke. Oh my gosh! Yeah, she's gonna have an. And, and and by the way, I'm a massive Taylor Swift fan, <laughs> so I don't way. ask but, this in a mocking way. Wondering. Defend the selection. Go. I mean, the, the woman is doing it all. Um, you know, she's being. She's burgering deals in Israel. She's saving hostages. <laughs> she she's she's fighting climate situation. change as we speak. Yeah. Uh, look, I just read this article like at 3 a.m. So I don't know. She's not. Come on. She's no. up at 3 a.m. Like, oh what my is this, God. the morning show? This is the morning show. This okay. is morning Joe, actually. Yeah, she yeah. probably just woke up. Oh my God. <laughs> Sound like uh, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, spitting out these talking points. But she uh, she's incredibly talented. She's a brilliant businesswoman. Um, she is a thoughtful, benevolent leader. Um, leader? <laughs> what? Um, of, of a country? Of, of some like of an organization? from fit the age demographic. She's a leader of an age demographic of, of 14 to 35 year old women. She and is some, younger and, than that. And some, no, and some like dudes that six. like are simping hard for, for some poon. Yeah, done a lot of things that people in her position, at least politically, wouldn't I'm have sorry, not. Whoever goes to a Taylor Swift concert as a man and is not gay. It just hasn't come out yet. It just hasn't come out yet. <laughs> Thought to do. Um, I don't know. You're wearing Taylor Swift friendship bracelet. By the way, I actually think it's look, look, look at the plug. <laughs> well, that's, I have issues. That's, that's, that's for another show. But I actually think it's a great selection. You know, she is, I think, okay. in my lifetime, other than the Beatles, I can't no remember way. an entertainer who's so climbed into the culture. And I think with I'm all. I'm sorry, Michael Jackson? Yeah, he was since the Beatles. Prince? The Dark News. Pitbull? Out there, I think in it's an good, inspired decision. In a yes. Good way. yes, yes. Yeah, you know, Willie, um, as as somebody that that has spent way too much time thinking about music and music's no relationship to popular culture, mm-hmm. you know, I I've been I've been thinking about this over the past several months. You got the Beatles and the Stones and the uh, you know, Elton John and Michael Jackson, Prince, of course, Stevie Wonder. You have all of these great talents. You talent. know what these artists have, though, that she doesn't? A penis. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> talent. Talent. God, Savannah. Correlation. Talent. No, <laughs> Talents. But as far as a, a, a pop culture impact, yes. uh, it is hard to think of anybody since the Beatles that has That's so uh, consumed American popular culture. And I will say in a positive way, I love uh, that Taylor Swift, you know, she was asked one time, what do you think about, you know, the, the current culture and what, what young women are expected to believe? And I know a lot of us have seen this clip, but she said, you know, I grew up, 
being told that as a, a woman, uh, as being a young girl, that I had to be cool, I had to be hip, I had to be edgy. Popular. I, and, and, and she goes, I'm not cool, I'm not hip. I'm, I'm not, not edgy. edgy. Uh, <laughs> edgy. And I said, well, what are you? She goes, well, I work hard, I'm imaginative, and I'm pretty- oh, she, She's a classic American spirit. She puts her nose to the grindstone and just puts out tracks. Is this whole the whole reason you wanted to talk about? I'm this? just upset. It's because you just Smart. want to express your judgment. I, I, it's Swift. such a stupid. I mean, look how quickly these people are creaming over this person. I know, but you know what's funny is that this is considered news. Yeah, sure. Like, how long is this segment? It's four minutes. That's a long time. Yeah, well, to talk about one thing and they're just gushing over like <sighs> how great she is. It's again. This sounds like they're selling stuff. I'm telling you. Just but, just wait, just wait till she, you know, she's time person of the year. Elon yeah. Musk was time person of the year a couple of years ago. He now has a political slant. Why, why, oh, why, course, why, why will I not, why slant. will I not see that coming election time? Oh, no, no, no. Of course. That's already been a thing. I mean, she's had documentaries come out before where she's very, like, very politically opinionated. Really? Oh, yeah. You haven't seen. I mean, I no, yeah, I have not. Why would it. I? No, just not the whole thing, but I just mean clips of it where it's like she she has a political stance on things, mm. and of course, it is a little more left leaning. It's it's a lot more. It's probably a lot more left leaning because um, she's a woman. Y- yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, because she makes money from all these people who are more politically left leaning, because that's how society is. <laughs> wow. There you go. Uh, okay, well, let's move on from that garbage. That, that okay. just really bothered me. It's fine, whatever. It's Time Magazine. It's not like if exactly. Like I mean, Hitler matters. was Time Time Magazine Person of the Year. I at mean, one point, what does so that what does that title even get you really besides publicity? A sweet NFL man and a giant Pfizer well, she check had that before. by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, uh, I guess I. How do I want to start? What do you want to? What do you got? Um. Well, I can go to mine, I guess. My one. One of them. Uh, it, what do you... No, I'm asking, what do you want to start? What do you have? Uh, I got... What, you want me to spoil it? No. Ugh. Okay. I see you have some Israel stuff. I see you have... Yeah, I got <laughs> Save Denny Blaine Beach. Oh, that's okay. just a fun one. Okay, that's fun. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, We got blood donations. I feel like I've got no COVID stuff, so we should start with your COVID stuff. Okay, sure. So, I mean, I want to start with um, blood donation, new regulation. Oh, that rhymes. Not really. It does. The FDA's new blood donation guidelines go into effect today. Our Jacqueline Fernandez joins us over at the Live on Your Six on Your Side alert desk. Uh, Jacqueline, what's new with this? Well, Dave, under the new policy, all potential donors will answer the same eligibility questions, excuse me, regardless of gender or sexual orientation. So this is in order to assess individual risk factors for HIV based on sexual behavior, recent partners and other factors. That means the American Red Cross can begin accepting blood donations from gay and bisexual men in monogamous (laughs) relationships without mandates that they first abstain from sex. However, any donor who reports having anal sex with new partners in the last three months will be barred Did that from- really make you laugh did you really laugh at that oh my god she had to say that on national news anal sex you're 12 
from sex. However, any donor who reports having anal sex with new partners in the last three months will be barred from donating blood until a later time. These new guidelines focus on behaviors rather than sexual orientation to protect the nation's blood supply from HIV. The agency first announced plans for the change in January. The Food and Drug Administration says the new policy reflects the latest scientific evidence and is in line with rules currently in place in the UK and Canada and hopes they lead to a boost in donations. The Red Cross agrees with the new guidelines, saying in part years of data have demonstrated that this new eligibility screening process ensures safe blood supply and that all patients should feel comfortable and trust that the blood they receive is safe. Dave. Dave. Dave, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. Go for it. Um, so basically, it's the, uh, you know, the whole you can't donate blood if you're gay. Yeah. Because, you know, you you have butt sex. Yeah. Um, in how I'm interpreting that is that they're just changing the wording of the question. Have you had anal sex within mm-hmm. three months? Right. That took years to get to. Decades. Years of research, as they said, because they want to make sure that all blood is safe that's received for those who are getting a blood transfusion. Um. So how that ties? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, go for it. Into the um, COVID nineteen vaccine is okay. So this this blood donation new regulation had nothing to do with COVID. No, it's just okay. a new regulation that came yes. out. I mean, it, it was mostly that at the very end. So this took years to get to to make this change, right? Because you want to make sure that people who are receiving a blood transfusion are completely safe. There's a lot of research that goes into it to make a change of just how you word a question. Right? Okay. Yep. Okay. So separate from that. Uh, so, okay. So currently there is no regulation according to the, the American Red Cross and the Mayo Clinic on if you donate blood, you can, okay. If you go to donate blood and you've had the COVID vaccine, if you know what the vaccine type is that you had, there's no time restraint or t- time like maximum time needed before you can donate so you could donate the day after you get your vaccine. Say, say that sentence one yeah. more time so if you go to donate blood and you just had your covid vaccine and you know what type of vaccine you got then you can donate there's well, no like time limit you have to wait for if you don't know then you have to wait two weeks and then make sure that you're not sick or anything so that's current so why does that matter what do you mean why does that matter yeah why does that matter what type of vaccine you took? I, I don't, I mean, I don't know because if you know, I, I don't know because why does it matter if you don't know if there's no regulation on if you took a certain one? So it does, if you know what it is, it doesn't matter what type you took, you can still donate. But if you don't know what it is, you have to wait two weeks. I don't know why that matters. Okay. Nobody. No one clarified that? No. You didn't dig into that? No, I didn't. I dug, but I didn't see anything. Okay, sure. Yeah. So separate from that. Um, in Illinois, there's been a bill proposed, Bill HB 4243, that would require, this has been proposed by a, a congressman representative, Jed Davis, who proposed that blood donors would need to disclose if they've received the mRNA vaccine, um, and then the blood donation center would need to label that blood. This is for when someone is receiving a blood transfusion, they get the option over whether or not they get blood that has the been donated by a vaccinated person or not so they get a a choice right that's the whole idea behind it okay um so does this even matter like 
can can you pass the vaccine through or anything from the vaccine through the blood? Well, this was a question two years ago when the vaccine first came out. So uh, let's start with blood donation COVID vaccine number two. This is from May 18th, 2021. You don't want to do one because you labeled them one, two, and three. Yeah, I did, but I'm doing it chronologically. Okay. So this is from blood May transfusion are used to save from what year 2021 lives every day all around the world yeah but could they also carry antibodies that transfer from one person to another Ariana Till verifies blood transfusions are used to treat millions of Americans each year for health conditions like anemia sickle cell disease and cancer as more Americans get their COVID-19 vaccines some people want to know if blood donors who are vaccinated against COVID-19 can pass antibodies to unvaccinated recipients so let's verify can you get the COVID-19 vaccine through a blood transfusion our sources the American Red Cross the Mayo Clinic and Dr. Shamul Shoham, so a professor of medicine and infectious disease expert at Johns Hopkins. The Mayo Clinic defines a blood transfusion as a routine procedure where donated blood is treated and then administered into the vein of a recipient's arm. As for what's in the blood that's administered, Dr. Shamul Shoham explained that white blood cells and antibodies, the two most important blood components that fight against COVID-19, are removed in the process of preparing the blood oh. for transfusion. Though the COVID-19 vaccine is designed to create an immune response to help protect someone from getting sick, a representative from the Red Cross also confirmed to verify that no vaccine components are in the blood that is transfused into the recipient. So we can verify. No, those who receive blood transfusions from COVID-19 vaccinated donors are not also protected against the virus. So what that told us in May of 2021 is that nothing from the COVID vaccine is transferred in your blood. Mm -hmm. So when blood is treated, and this is according to the Red Cross, it's it's spun in a centrifuge, so it just forces everything out. And the only transferable components, the only thing that actually goes and is received in a blood transfusion are red cells, platelets, and plasma. Okay? None of those, how, if, how I understand... Um, are part of what the vaccine attaches itself to. Mm. So it's the white blood cells that are cycled out. That's like your immunity um, and the antibodies that the vaccine would either like the antibodies from the vaccine itself or the antibodies that the vaccine has caused your body to start to create. Okay. Okay. None of that gets passed through. Then we go to August 23 23rd of 2021 this is from abc news it's the first covid vaccine number one joining us in some of the most crucial moments many people need a blood transfusion recently there have been people not wanting that help due to the covid vaccine generally it's macy meyer talk with an expert today to answer some of your questions those skeptical of the COVID-19 vaccine have new concerns, this time when it comes to blood transfusions. People have been declining medically advised transfusions and asking for blood only from the unvaccinated. The vast majority of patients understand the value of a transfusion um, and the last thing they should be worried about is whether or not the donor has been vaccinated. Gorland says there have been at least 100,000 studies done by the Mayo Clinic that blood from a vaccinated person wouldn't give you the vaccine, but rather the antibodies that would actually help you. Fear uh, is uh, medically. So they just said the only thing you get from mm -hmm. is the antibodies. Right. But the Red Cross, the Mayo Clinic, and a John Hopkins doctor said, no, you don't get the antibodies. Nothing gets passed over. That was on vaccine two, 
COVID vaccine yeah, too. Yeah, let me listen to it. Can I replay that? Yeah, sure. Go okay. Ahead. Um, Blood transfusions are used to save lives. You could probably Every- skip through, are used like, to treat halfway. millions yeah. of Americans each year. 19 vaccine through a blood transfusion. Our sources: the American Red Cross, the Mayo Clinic, and Dr. Shamul Shoham, a professor of medicine and infectious disease expert at Johns Hopkins. The Mayo Clinic defines a blood transfusion as a routine procedure where donated blood is treated and then administered into the vein of a recipient's arm. As for what's in the blood that's administered, Dr. Shamul Shoham explained that white blood cells and antibodies, the two most important blood components that fight against COVID-19, are removed in the process of preparing the blood for transfusion. Though the COVID-19 vaccine is... That's where it was, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. So they're removed because they're not part of the red blood cells, the platelets, or the plasma. That's the only thing that's transferred in a blood transfusion, right? So now we're saying in August, which is, I mean, how many, what is that, three months later? Mm -hmm. No, actually, the antibodies are transferred over, which is the part that, Joining us fights the infection. Some of the most crucial moments, many people need a blood transfusion. Recently, there have been people not wanting that help due to the COVID vaccine. Janelise Macy Meyer talked with an expert today to answer some of your questions. Those skeptical of the COVID-19 vaccine have new concerns, this time when it comes to blood transfusions. People have been declining medically advised transfusions and asking for blood only from the unvaccinated. The vast majority of patients understand the value of a transfusion um, and the last thing they should be worried about is whether or not the donor has been vaccinated. Gorland says there have been at least 100,000 studies done by the Mayo Clinic that blood from a vaccinated person wouldn't give you the vaccine, but rather the antibodies that would actually help you. So pause it. Uh, is- How long does conducting 100,000 studies take? Probably a while. A while. It can't take three months, right? No, definitely. From when the Mayo Clinic had a completely opposing stance on this wow yeah and also this guy pisses me off (laughs) so this guy is um who's talking uh jed gorland he's the medical director of the nebraska community blood bank i don't know if that really matters in terms of um credentials but he sounds like he he just is just a know-it-all you know oh no anyway sorry you can keep it going from uh donations where the donor has either had COVID or been vaccinated. In fact, he said a big concern from those who don't want to be vaccinated is that they will get it secondhand from a blood transfusion. But that's simply not true. The mRNA in the vaccine will not be transferred. We certainly don't need to worry about (coughs) any adverse effects from the vaccine. Uh, mRNA disappears incredibly rapidly. Uh, So the, the vaccine is not floating free in the in the blood. It just doesn't last very long. Gorland says everyone has the right to refuse a medical treatment recommended by doctors, but he said it's important for people to know, vaccinated or not, that blood has the potential to save you. On top of that, your doctor doesn't know who donated the blood, so there is no way to identify a vaccinated versus unvaccinated donation. We couldn't label the blood even if we wanted to or if the FDA allowed us to. How blood is labeled is very strictly labeled according to FDA rules and regulations. Reporting in Lucy Meyer. So he just said, we cannot label blood even if the FDA allowed us to. Mm-hmm. Blood labeling is very strict according to FDA right. regulations. What? Yeah. So the FDA tell, gives you permission, says, yes, this is now the regulations. You still can't do it? Yeah, that's nuts. That doesn't make sense. Another thing. So... They keep, 
they keep he's he's so insistent that the there's no way that the mrna like part of it can be transferred right no right. way there's no evidence suggesting that out of a hundred thousand studies from the mayo clinic do you remember when the vaccine first came out i'll tell you okay december 2020 yes right this clip is in august of 2021 that's nine months later oh wow let's let's round up and say 10 okay it's end of august um i don't even know if you can conduct a hundred thousand studies in 10 months if you started right when the vaccines <laughs> yeah. started coming out and this yeah. is like you don't even you don't know how long do effects take like to sh start to show up like right. side effects right and then also so people who first had the vaccine okay maybe they got the very first one and then the next day or whenever two weeks later they went and trans uh, donated blood okay then that blood is used within i think it's like a week is the maximum it can be used so this is like you're already nearing a month so January 2021 is when you might start seeing blood transfusions happening from vaccinated people. Sure. So you have nine months of data of being able to track somebody. And also, because you can't label the blood, you don't even know if um, if they've had side effects from the vaccine. Right. Because you don't know if they got blood that was vaccinated or not. Oh, man. So how do how are they so how can they be so confident? That that's not true, right? I mean, three months ago, they had the stance that you don't even get antibodies. But now, three months later, oh, you can get antibodies from it. That's not cycled out. Anyways, I got one more clip just to really drill this in. So this is the one? third one. Oh, third. And yeah, this is from January 25th, 2022. Ha, huh, wow. After Verify reported that both vaccinated and unvaccinated people can donate blood, we received a lot more questions about blood donations during the pandemic. Two of the most popular are do blood donation centers sort blood by vaccination status and are blood donation centers making sure they don't put vaccinated blood in someone who doesn't want to be vaccinated. To answer those questions, we spoke to Dr. Yvette Miller, executive medical. What is this soundtrack? Dude? I know this. And it's funny that Verify is like the only YouTube clips that I could find, or the only audio clips that I could find huh. talking about this, like the huh. COVID vaccine and blood transfusion. Who, who is this? Verify is the channel, and I think they're part of. Um, uh, I don't know what they're. For the American Red Cross. Part of. Kate Fry, CEO at America's Blood Centers and Anahita Dua, vascular surgeon at Massachusetts General Hospital. Both questions revolve around the idea that vaccines are present in your blood and can be passed from person to person through a blood transfusion. But that's not true. According to vascular surgeon Anahita Dua, quote, only the antibodies generated by the individual to the vaccine are in the blood, unquote. That's the same for all vaccinations, not just COVID-19. So let's tackle the first question. Do blood donation centers sort blood by vaccination status? Miller says no. We don't separate blood into vaccinated and unvaccinated, and I don't think any blood collection organization in this country does that. And Fry agrees, adding, quote, blood donations are not classified by a donor's vaccination status given the absence of risk for transmitting COVID-19 or possible vaccine side effects, unquote. Question two, are blood donation centers making sure they don't put vaccinated? They've never labeled it. They've never labeled if blood has the vaccine or not so how would they know for sure if there's no side effects again right oh i see you know she's sure. saying we don't label it because there's no risk of trans transferring any adverse side effects through it let me hear it again yeah in this country does vaccinations not just covid19 
So let's tackle the first question. Do blood donation centers sort blood by vaccination status? Miller says no. We don't separate blood into vaccinated and unvaccinated. And I don't think any blood collection organization in this country does that. And Fry agrees, adding, quote, Blood donations are not classified by a donor's vaccination status, given the absence of risk for transmitting COVID-19 or possible vaccine side effects, unquote. Hmm. Question two, are blood donation centers making sure they don't put vaccinated blood in someone who doesn't want to be vaccinated? First, blood donation centers don't give blood transfusions. Hospitals and treatment centers do. Since Duh. we verified that blood donation centers don't separate blood by vaccination status, hospitals just don't have that information. So the answer to this question is also no. That's not possible. You know, we don't, um, we don't label the blood with the donor's vaccination status. Kate Fry, CEO at America's Blood Centers, says if an unvaccinated person receives blood from someone who is vaccinated, they aren't considered vaccinated, nor are they at risk of experiencing any vaccine-related side effects. They, they have no idea. But if they that's don't true. know. They have no idea. Because wow. now, if the okay, it might come out. You know, they changed their stance on antibodies, even though I'm. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not an expert on blood, but I thought antibodies were only with your white blood cells, which are circulated out, right? And, and there's been no way for them to have tracked this to know for certain, you know, they did, what were the studies too? I should have looked this up from the Mayo Clinic. What were the hundred thousand studies? Like how mm. were those conducted? Did they really track a blood transfusion from a vaccinated person to see, to ensure that there's no side effects? Right. And also, how long did that last for? Because, I mean, we're seeing thing, you know, side effects pop up months later. Yeah. Right? So it's like, how, how, how long did you, just because you didn't get, have an immediate reaction, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Anyways, I, so right now, I mean, there's no, there's no restriction. You could go into the hospital and if you need a blood transfusion and you're adamantly against the vaccine, it, too bad. <laughs> right essentially right and then if you had you know say that they come out later saying oh actually we were wrong you can transfer and you can have side effects um and you have a side effect after a blood transfusion you don't know if it's because you had the vaccine you know vaccine parts to it or not another thing yeah. is that um i can't i don't know if they mentioned it in the three clips or it might have just been something i read but when you donate blood, your blood is treated to ensure that there's nothing that's unsafe going. So say, so the list of uh, restrictions for somebody to donate blood is that, you know, there's medications they can't be taking for up to a year. Um, they can't have traveled to certain places. Um, like even in the 90s, if you travel, you live somewhere in like, I think it was the UK or something for multiple months in the 90s, you can't donate blood. Um, so they treat your blood, they inspect it before it goes to a hospital to ensure that these bits that are dangerous to somebody who would re be receiving that blood are not present. And if they are present, then that blood gets scrapped, essentially. Scrapped. So I think what I saw or what it might have been mentioned in the clip very briefly is that there's not a way to see if someone has had the vaccine or not when they donate blood. Oh, I see. And part of the Illinois bill is that they want the blood to be analyzed. So you have to answer if you've had the vaccine or not, what type of vaccine, then you can donate. But then you, your blood is still analyzed for, for bits of the mRNA, right? Huh. 
And so I was trying to see, can you actually detect a vaccine through a blood test? And I, I couldn't find like a definitive answer, but I did find that you can detect if, this is a new thing too, is that you can detect if you have immunity. So if you have the antibodies, I mean, that's clearly, there's antibodies in the blood, right? Um, but if you can find bits of like medication, <laughs> you know, like it, like medication, I didn't, circling from a year ago, right? then why can't you find an mRNA trace, you know, or like traces of vaccine trace. And this would be, clearly it's been, it's not been cycled out yet. I don't know. Anyways, there's a lot of sketchy, sketchy parts that it, it just seems well, like Well, they're just inconsistent, are, right? Yeah, it's mostly that. And they, it, they're just, they just glaze over it. Right. Right. It's not addressed and it's, oh, because there's an absence of something because we never actually tested it then that means that it's fine. Hmm. Anyways, fun. Well, <laughs> I think that was a conversation we've had with other people of like yeah. what happens if you do need a, uh, a blood transfusion. A blood transfusion. Does this all go to nothing? No, exactly. It's like, yeah, you had this hard stance, you know, maybe you lost your job over the vaccine. <laughs> you get in a car accident. And, and then just, you need uh, a blood transfusion yeah. and then none of it matters. <laughs> you still got the jab. Yeah. I mean, but you're not, you know, you're not considered vaccinated, but... Right. You have, you Man, have the, the bits that might harm you. That is super weird. It is. Okay. Anyways, yeah. All right. Um, I think we have time for us to mesh in our two stories, and then I'll save. I'll save the carbon credits maybe for later, but we'll just see how we do currently. How about that? Sure. Okay. So, um, let me get my stuff out. Um, sixty minutes did a uh, a bit of a storyline. Not too long ago, I want to say like ten days ago. It'll be like no, it'll be let's say two weeks because I think it was like last week or the week before. Um, of well, we'll just start with the clip because it it it's gonna go into what we're talking about currently, and I think you will finish it with what we're what is happening at the moment with Israel and Hamas. Even though I'm getting a little annoyed talking about this, these fucking college students, dude, are killing me. <laughs> they're really fucking it up because it's like there's more things, more pressing things to talk about. But it's taking up a lot of news coverage. <sighs> yeah, that's all they're talking about. I mean, there is some other things, but it's like we don't have the bandwidth to be dealing with all of it all yeah. at once. So yeah. um, uh, this is 60 Minutes. We went to see a rally in support of Palestinians on the campus of Columbia University. This was five weeks after the Hamas terror attack on Israel. Campus gates were locked. Entrances were guarded by the NYPD. We witnessed a sea of phones held high in solidarity with the people of Gaza and the West Bank. Passions were high as well. Occupation no more! The following afternoon, and we will fight Columbia University. Another pro-Palestinian rally. This one outside the gates. We saw posters of Israelis kidnapped by Hamas being defaced. While later on campus, we observed this vigil in support of Israel. Normally, students at Columbia are encouraged to be open to ideas and debate. 
But these are not normal times. When we visited, police were guarding Hillel, a center for Jewish life on campus. How do you feel on campus? Do you feel safe? Short answer is no. We met third-year student Eden Yadigar at Hillel. She's the head of Students Supporting Israel at Columbia. She told us students on all sides of the issue feel unease on campus. It's tense. It's hostile. There have been days where I've had to walk through not one but two protests on campus in order to get to my classes. By the way, that doesn't seem too out of the ordinary. It's Columbia. Well, no. Well, I mean, sure, but the, I mean, protesting does not, and this will this will lead into the conversation that we'll talk about with uh, the presidents that that got interviewed uh -huh. uh, in Congress. But if someone is protesting, they should be able to protest. That's what I mean. It's yeah. Columbia. I feel well, like no, it's any university. A... It's not just Columbia. Well, no, I'm saying it's it's New York. It it's in a it's a university. You're, yeah. You don't isolate it to just no, the I'm, bubble. I'm, it's a university. That's what I'm getting at. Is that this is this this well, is not a, just Columbia. Uh -huh. A rare event. Right. This happens a lot. People protest always. Yes. For everything. Yes. Another student, David, asked that we not use his last name for safety concerns. Wait, wait. wait was, it, was his name David? Yeah. <laughs> Another student, David, asked that we not use his last oh, name funny. for safety concerns. I was leaving the library late at night, and I had a Sar of David visibly out, just like this. And somebody came up to me and yelled, Free Palestine, Free Palestine. Yelled it at, at you? Yes, at me. And I don't know if I can say this on TV, but he goes, F the Jews, F the Jews, a few times. Well, you just did, buddy. Our university is directly complicit in this violence with its rhetoric and its investments. Mariam Alwan is one of the leaders of Students for Justice in Palestine, or SJP. She told us she has faced repercussions for speaking out publicly. You said you've been avoiding campus? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to graduate anymore. Like, um, I haven't really been going to a lot of my classes. Other pro-Palestinian student protesters have had their names and faces paraded outside campus on a digital billboard. Alwan's group, the SJP, was suspended from campus for holding unauthorized rallies. It's been very scary. What makes it scary? There have been a lot of death threats. There have been Alwan's group, the SJP, they've been holding unauthorized rallies. I'll play that again. P was suspended from campus for holding unauthorized rallies. It's been very scary. So what her, makes it scary? Her group. There have been a lot. I'm sorry. So that was her group. Yes. Been holding the SJP's. Yes. Okay. A lot of death threats. There have been professors at the school who have been um, calling us terrorists. She says the university has made things worse. So they close all the gates. They bring hordes of NYPD, and then they make all of the students of color feel unsafe. This is such a this is such a garbage ploy. I mean, to to begin with this conversation, to to even initiate a, a an unauthorized protest, right? Because there, there's a lot of I mean, college campuses while. You have you do have the basic constitutional rights as you would anywhere. College campuses are slightly different, mm -hmm. and uh, there is so much. I mean, you know this. We both know this well. Is like hosting any sort of event is is a giant coordination to like get approvals, get signatures, I mean, everything signing off on it. Yeah, you want to make sure that it's safe for everybody else. Yeah, like it's so holding and, an unauthorized rally. Yeah, of course they're gonna call call in the police. Right. That would be stupid of them if they didn't. Right. That'd be so irresponsible if they I didn't. just I and maybe this is just me griping. This is no deconstruction yet. It's just 
but seeing how how quickly she I mean it's this is classic leftist thinking right of just immediately viewing the police as the problem but not necessarily reflecting on what they're doing themselves well exactly and like i mean she's saying making the group of people who are part of the rally feel unsafe right okay yeah. what about everybody else who's yeah. around the rally who's not a part of it but who's around it right okay so we set up the premise we got we got israeli st- or uh pro-palestinian uh-huh. now we get to the other side of it because 60 minutes want to show all the sides of course I'm calling us terrorists she says the university has made things worse so they close all the gates they bring hordes of nypd and then they make all of the students of color feel unsafe navigating these past couple of months on campus has been a challenge to say the least colombia's new president minush shafiq has largely been absent from the turmoil this past Thursday, she opened a panel discussion on the crisis, and protesters tried to shut it down. Why am I shocked and, and, and as irritated still while listening to this? A, a panel discussion, probably, when I, by my understanding, based on the video, it was, like a, it was like a Muslim lady and a Jewish dude. Yeah, trying to have a conversation. Trying to have a dialogue, right? And instead and of doing that, they shut it down by screw an it unauthorized up. rally. Well, and then are surprised when the cops get called in. Right. Colombia's new president, Minus Shafiq, has largely been absent from the turmoil. This past Thursday, she opened a panel discussion on the crisis, and protesters tried to shut it down. In her few cautious statements to the campus, she's managed to offend both sides by not condemning Hamas by name or the killing of thousands of Palestinians. University does. These people, these people fucked up, dude. It, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. No, and I mean, yeah. By their own doing, by the way. Right, by right, allowing the by allowing free speech b- protests and that. Well, not free speech. They're censoring, and and they've been they've been approving of that for at least a decade or longer of of just children belligerently just running onto campus and just moping about something. Yeah, and then they're upset that the the college doesn't take a stance. Doesn't right. take their their side, right? So they stay neutral, which I, they should stay neutral. <laughs> Thinks this will just quiet down, but we've been there before. Hatred doesn't disappear. Shai Davidai is an assistant professor of management at the Columbia Business School who grew up in Israel. He says he was shocked to his core by the Hamas atrocities on October 7th and then by what he saw as the university's failure to condemn the perpetrators by name. Why do you think that is? I think it's a mixture of cowardice and part of it is callousness. Davidai's frustration erupted two weeks after the attack in a video that went viral. President Minush Shafiq of Columbia University, you are a coward. What can the university do at this time? If you support Hamas, you should not be allowed to be an organization of campus. Universities, colleges, are supposed to be bastions of free speech. But is this not a free speech issue? So is a student organization celebrating a lynching of an African-American male free speech? That's where he goes. <laughs> I'm not asking for restrictions of free speech. I'm asking for equal treatment. 
That's it. But, the, but both sides are protesting. I, I, that's I know. Yeah. So I mean, the university also didn't side with that. They don't know what to do. Thousands they don't, of Palestinians don't. They don't. They don't killed. know what to do. They, they don't, don't know what to do. do. And, and fair. I mean, no, would no, no. It's their no. It's their own fault. It's their own fault. Yeah, sure. But I mean, how they're. What are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to pick a side? Because I mean, they're pissing everybody off already. Okay, well, let's move on from this portion. You're, you're, you're we're sort of gonna, we're probably end up debating about this one. Uh, I mean, but uh, we'll dive into the ABC fallout over anti-Semitism and Islamophobia on college campuses. Now to the fallout from the testimony by three top university presidents. This might be a bit long, by the way, so I apologize. That's ...who critics okay. say failed to condemn anti-Semitism on their campuses during questioning by lawmakers on Capitol Hill this week. Here's ABC's senior White House correspondent, Selena Wang. At the center of America's heated debate around the Israel-Hamas war are college campuses, where Jewish students say they don't feel supported and Palestinian students say they're being ignored. Tensions at some of the world's most elite institutions making their way to Capitol Hill this week. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision. They all said that same answer, by the way, which is well, really been, frustrating to listen to. They've been coached. But all three of them? Anyway, it's so funny. They're all wearing the same type of glass uh, uh, eyewear. Uh, same same quotes. I don't know if they've been coached per se, but they've... But they're saying the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. They were told woman. Say, it, by the board, I imagine. It's a all three boards got together and had a conversation? No, I mean, it's it's how do you handle bad publicity? Yeah. Right. Well, just, we'll continue it. Context dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer. Yes, Ms. McGill. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik pressing the presidents of Harvard, MIT and UPenn with the same question. All of them giving careful responses on the tricky subject of free speech. Donors and alumni are calling for leaders to step down, and the committee is now announcing a formal investigation into the university's conduct. Why are you calling for their resignation? Because they are unfit to lead these institutions. I am a proud alumna of Harvard. It is unfitting to have president of one of the most preeminent, if not the most preeminent higher education institution, harbor and foster anti-Semitism. Pennsylvania's Jewish governor, a Democrat, urging Penn's board of trustees to discuss McGill's future. I thought her comments were absolutely shameful. It should not be hard to condemn genocide. Amid the fallout, UPenn's president issuing a video statement, walking back comments. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate now this is where I, I don't know if i i think the context of people um protesting and perhaps saying things that are very very awful mm -hmm. i think in the context i think they're right so long as they can't as long as they're not doing anything um they're not causing ill not ill will but uh not physical damage i think it's appropriate in campuses because this has happened before uh, 
like verbally telling someone something is probably okay, but it doesn't excuse if you were to do it, if you were to harm that person. I, I, at least I think I think at least on free speech, constitutional rights outside of campus, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Like I think that's legal. I don't think it's correct. I'm trying to make sure I see this, this is tedious, but I, I think it's legal to tell someone that outside of of um, outside of campus because I think campus has its own rules and regulations which we'll go over in a little bit. But so are you saying that? So what if that? somebody verbally saying something but them they themselves not acting on it right could that then be said that they are inciting somebody else to act on it see and that's that's a slippery slope they can head towards yeah but so are they directly responsible i'm if not sure someone acts on what they said uh there's another video i don't know if i want to leave this this clip yet or should i just head over to the uh and i mean is there a lot left two minutes you just finish it okay Harvard's president later trying to clarify her testimony in a statement, saying that calls for violence or genocide against the Jewish community or any religious or ethnic group are vile. I mean, if we're going to paint someone in a like if if we have done, we we have listened to constant university stories of people getting censored um, Mm. and and facing really heavy repercussions for something small that they said, it is this is just the unusual portion where they I think they're quite scared of of this left this leftist group, well, which I mean, is their whole fucking campus essentially. Well, yeah, and all their donors and yeah, all of the, correct. the staff. And they're getting ripped, dude. Exactly. It, 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 but it's, I mean, I'm happy to see that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying seeing these people kind of freak. I mean, sixty minutes is like it's a bastion of free speech. No, it hasn't. When has it? Not since Obama has been elected, or since Trump arrived, I guess, right? Yeah. But even prior to, it's like they, they have not been doing their part of, of keeping things civil. No, yeah. They've allowed a lot no, of yeah. protests, especially around Trump, right? <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> um, there's been tons of protests, especially around Trump. There's been a lot of derogatory words said. There's been a lot of um, it, it, the same thing, essentially. Right. But they punish those. But it doesn't matter because the majority of those financing the university and supporting those who are in leadership and the ideology behind it too, agree with the protests. Right. Right. So it's so why is that any different than this one? Why was that one not? Why were they not all fired? You know, versus this one have no place at harvard please do your job and act now please do your job (laughs) please (laughs) talia khan a graduate student at mit says the hearing (laughs) underscores how little universities are doing to make them feel safe they're so paralyzed by not upsetting people and that's the problem is that there's no student on campus who's happy jewish students aren't happy muslim students aren't happy Meanwhile, some Palestinian students say the hearing emphasizes how congressional leaders like Stefanik misunderstand the entire Palestinian liberation movement. I think that line of questioning is yeah, really shut up. interesting that she's asking about, you know, these hypothetical genocides that Palestinians obviously do not support when there is an actual genocide taking place against Palestinians. But Islamophobia was... Yeah. But I thought it was against um, those in Israel. Israel. Like the Jews. Israel. I thought it was... What? Okay. No, they're calling for a genocide against Israel. That's what I'm saying. But she's saying a genocide against Palestinians. Well, they're saying that... Ugh, let's just re-listen to it. I mean, it's both. 
Yeah, it is. Right. These these fucking morons don't realize we're, they're getting played either way. I, I know. They're both affected. They're so both why does affected. it matter what side they're on? Yeah. They should be. Interesting. It, there should be three sides, right? What's the third side? Jewish, Palestinians, and then Hamas. Um, so it should be yeah but the issue is that this Jews. rhetoric that they do is in arabic i believe it's is from from the river to the sea yeah i think it's no it's not palestine will be free the i think the the islamic translation is from the river to the sea i think uh like jews will be dead no oh, jesus man <laughs> is that what no you're uh uh in arabic palestine will be free it's but it's like very specific to just arabs only well, I mean, yeah, but that doesn't that. Which they don't. I mean, they, they didn't translate that in English, but they're still repeating the same rhetoric. Right. OK, but does that mean that it does that just mean that Palestinians would have their own place? that's not under Israeli rule or it's not part of Israel. Or does that mean that all because Palestine gets their own freedom, then that means all the Jews need to be dead? Is it a harmful phrase? Is it an anti-Jewish phrase? It probably, phrase? I mean, it, it, it comes from a more harmful phrase. It comes from, but is it being used in that way? Well, we played a couple clips previously in the past where, where people yeah. are pretty, pretty, pretty serious about, you know, these Congress people, politicians and, and, uh, and institutions are going to suffer. Essentially, they're, what they're trying to forge is this cancellation process of, of that they're going to regret it one day no, if, if they don't support uh if they don't support uh uh palestine essentially right i mean they, they they are inciting some sort of violence i say i would say i would argue probably more so than the jewish people doesn't they're both idiots no i know and it seems like see at the very beginning of all these protests it seemed like it was just you know supporting the palestinians supporting the israeli jews like but now it's like there's a sub group under both of those that are anti the other one yeah. You know, like the other one, the other side deserves to die, essentially. Right. This very violent group that's just I don't even care about the whole thing. I, I just also, really hate this other group. I would also like to remind people for the for the no one that's listening, because uh, quite frankly, we've been a l I'm a little upset. Uh, Savannah says to keep cool about it. We'll be fine. But no one's listening to this goddamn podcast. And yeah, this doesn't really matter. <laughs> this doesn't really matter at this rate. It's just us, just us two normally rambling, but in a much harder scenario where we have to do homework and yeah. talk to each other for an hour and a half more. <laughs> but. I mean, it's it's not like these groups aren't already associated with more left left wing ide leftist wing ideologies like uh, the social labor uh, people's movement or uh, the UA the UA UAW uh, unions. Uh, ooh, I'm screwing it up. UAW UAW is da, da, da. auto workers. No, no, no. Uh, United Auto Workers also. I mean, it's it's not a social. It's union labor party, but it, it's uh -huh. still probably more socialist than not so those groups are supporting the yeah it's weird it's like these protests that these people are holding up ua uaw signs or uh or the or the people's uh yeah they definitely are or the people's um liberation party of of some again it's another sort of commie ideology yeah slash so movement are these sponsorships just trying to push their own ideology through? Well, they, no, the but protests, they already have right? the audience. It's not like they're pushing it. It's like they, they're this, these group of people have already been brought in. Um, they're simply backing them financially to bring them all. I mean, look at all the posters and signages that they have. I know. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of marketing. <laughs> yeah. Marketing matters. It's a big huh? budget for it, right? Yeah. 
So then, okay, so is that also why the protests are so big? Is because there is a budget for them. Well, they, they already have Otherwise the they audience. They've, so they've already been agitated for years. They've been talking about that. I mean, I and, remember in school, they've been talking about Palestine being its its own state and whatnot. And, uh, and that uh, w- what the Jewish people are doing essentially is an apartheid, which isn't even true. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. See, see how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> anyway, let's keep playing the clip. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, with there being a budget, I mean, it makes sense now that there's a lot of um, division. I mean, there doesn't need to be... What do you mean a budget? Division. Because, I mean, they're being sponsored by, like, these protests are being sponsored and financed by these groups, right? And so, it would make sense that in the news, then they are really drilling up the division between the two groups by talking about the violence and that i mean not the only thing right but because what keeps people more interested and more willing to participate and continue protests is division and hatred and like feeling like it's very one side versus the other versus two sides together against one idea does that make sense yeah probably not okay that she's asking about you know these (laughs) (laughs) hypothetical genocides that Palestinians obviously do not. Yeah, dude, obviously. Or when there is an actual genocide taking place against Palestinians. But Islamophobia was barely mentioned at the hearing. From college, how to- much Islamophobia has there been? That, that's my question. I haven't. I have not. I have not. We. I, I have tried I to, to search anything. for anything. I have seen more anti-Semitic rhetoric. It's all anti-Semitic. Being, yeah, it's. It, it really is. I mean, and I don't even buy that Palestinian boy that got clobbered, that got killed by that crazy. That dude looked insane. Anyways, he looked mentally oh, you think ill he to be with. Needed a reason. I, I think he was just kill, I think he was gonna kill someone anyways. Mm. It's just he looked. I mean, you saw the photos. I mean, that dude looked nuts. Yeah. Um. I. I, I have not seen enough. And, and like those people that are like our jobs are being put out. It's like they're being docked, sure, but that's that's warfare of of the left, right? They're gonna all do that anyways. Yeah. Uh, why is this? Uh, why is she shocked and annoyed? Perhaps it's like because it happened to her. Um, but Islamophobia, I just don't see it. Evidence to those in the workplace. I'm getting the calls of people being uh, pushed to silence, being bullied. Uh, some people weaponizing uh, anti-Semitism in a way to silence voices. All of that needs to stop. Leah Kayali and Tella. Is she El- saying that we use anti-Semitism to weaponize against the the Palestinian people? No, against um, the the Jewish group. Okay. These high- but also it's they're using. She's claiming that they're using anti-Semitism to silence the Jewish group. Yes, but. Okay. So I, okay, so Have that they sense. been silenced? I mean, there's a lot of protests. It's very vocal. <laughs> very vocal. I, I don't know it's been silenced. Right. <laughs> like, genocides that Palestinians obviously do not support right. when they're... Yeah, they're still stirring up news. Yeah. <laughs> they take up a lot of news coverage. Yeah, they do. Whatever's not taken up by Taylor Swift is being taken up by anti-Semitism <laughs> protests. There's an actual genocide taking place against Palestinians. But Islamophobia was barely mentioned at the hearing. From college students to those in the workplace, I'm getting the calls of people being uh, pushed to silence, being bullied. 
uh, some people weaponizing uh, anti-Semitism in a way to silence voices. All of that needs to stop. Leah Kayali and Tella El Fokaha, both Harvard Law School students and Palestinian Americans, say the university has ignored Muslim and Arab students. I have no hope that the administration is going to support us uh, or even, you know, try to create space for us to live normally as students and express our outrage about a genocide. I don't feel safe on campus to, to put it bluntly. Fears are growing, especially after three Palestinian college students were shot in Vermont. One of them, a junior at Brown University, is now paralyzed from the chest down. Kiali and Al-Fokahav say they've been targeted and harassed. Their names and faces put on a billboard truck around campus. Websites are slandering them and job opportunities pulled. It feels like we are being collectively gaslit. University leaders are vowing to do more. I have sought to confront hate while preserving free expression. This is difficult work, and I know that I have not always gotten it right. But the pain and division on college campuses and in America more broadly may only grow as the war rages on. Okay. Um, yeah, I probably could have not done with that. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's saying the same message. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I can't not say that phrase. You're going to have to not. <laughs> I, I can't. It's ridiculous. And I'll change it up, maybe say, no, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. See, that's an agreement, but yeah, no, that's that's not. Well, it could be an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go with, the, yeah, I should have ended it sooner, but. No, that's okay. Um. But just a reminder, right, as if as if college campuses are have always been a safe space for free speech and political debate. That's not the case. No. But the First Amendment does not make exceptions for hateful speech. It does not prohibit apologies for terrorism, does not forbid implicitly genocidal statements. A university that wishes to model its policies after the U.S. Constitution, an admirable course of action, should allow students and faculty members to make odious statements. The correct response to this speech is for others to criticize it. Now, if the speech in question is individually targeted, it may lose such protection. Scribbling hateful messages on Jewish students' dormitory rooms, for example, would constitute targeted harassment under the university's policies. Anti-Israel protests and demonstrations don't count. It's fair to criticize university administrators for too often abandoning these lofty free speech principles in recent years, however, because campus authorities have routinely failed to defend free speech when said speech is deemed hateful by some offended party. Hundreds of U.S. campuses erected bias reporting systems, which allowed students to report each other for saying unkind things, even inadvertently. Over the course of the 2010s, universities created safe spaces and enshrined trigger warnings, which do not work, by the way, for the explicit purpose of discouraging supposedly hateful speech. Yesterday, I was asked by my co-host to give specific examples showing university bureaucrats are hypocrites and do, in fact, censor hateful speech. When by the way, this is the rising. Uh, it's, it's sort of like a, it's like breaking points, mm -hmm. but with not that shrill lady. <laughs> sounds like my yeah just always bitching yeah but uh, i did enjoy this so this is a summary that he's going to lay down of of all the all the hypocrisies that the university presidents have have let slide for a long time so yeah. just okay this is more of a bombshell which i really enjoyed it's aimed at groups other than jews i gave her a few but here are a few more 
So a white female student at the University of Virginia was accused by a black student activist of telling Black Lives Matter protesters that they would, quote, make good speed bumps. The accused was a student named Morgan Bettinger. She faced disciplinary charges for threatening other students, health and safety, and she was ultimately expelled in abeyance. Even though two separate investigations, one by students and one by the campus's civil rights office, concluded there was no evidence she'd actually made that offensive comment. At McAllister College in Minnesota, administrators took down an art display by an American-Iranian artist that concerned the subjugation of women in the Muslim world. Why? Because Muslim students said this form of expression was harmful to them. Elsewhere in Minnesota, at Hamlin University, the administration did not renew the contract of a professor who had dared to show an image of the Prophet Muhammad in his class. Here's one viewers might remember. Georgetown University subjected a legal scholar, Ilya Shapiro, to a humiliating investigation after he sent out an ill-advised tweet that appeared to suggest he thought Ketanji Brown-Jackson was not the most qualified choice for the open SCOTUS seat. I don't think what Shapiro said was hateful at all. It was clumsy, perhaps. Not hateful. But that's not the point, because remember, we're talking about whether university presidents are hypocrites when it comes to protecting hateful speech. Clearly, they are. Administrators retaliate against controversial speech even when it isn't actually hateful. They just describe it as such. As long as someone is offended, it happens all the time. I didn't realize he kind of he kind of speaks like his cadence sounds like Ben Shapiro, <laughs> like a light, a slightly less caffeinated Ben Shapiro. Yeah. We need more examples. Let's proceed. At Princeton, administrators forced the cancellation of an art exhibition of 19th century Jewish American artists because two of the featured artists Artist. had been Confederate soldiers. The works in question had nothing to do with the Confederacy. Even if they had, thought we didn't censor hateful speech on campus, speech that makes others feel uncomfortable and unsafe, we were assured by the most elite university presidents that such censorship would violate their policies and never occur. How interesting. Moving on, a University of North Texas professor wrote on a chalkboard that a list of popular microaggressions, i.e. racial slights, was garbage. He was fired. George Washington University decided to investigate students for putting up flyers that were critical of the Chinese government after the university's Chinese Cultural Society said the flyers would foster ethnic hatred. By the way, this is by no means a list of all campus censorship episodes ever that resulted from supposedly hateful speech at college campuses. It's actually just a list of such episodes from this year alone based solely on articles I've written or were written by my colleague at Reason Magazine, Emma Camp, who also covers these things. By no means have we tallied all of them. That's a snapshot of some interesting ones from the last 10 months. 10 months. But the first 10 insane. months. 10 months. Why is this a shock now? No, I know. Is it because... Mm. Go for it. Come is on. it because... Let it rip, Savannah. No, I don't know. Come on, this let it rip. Risky. Is it because Say it, the dude. two groups that are arguing, <laughs> who are making claims against um, hate, hateful speech or who are participating in the hateful speech or whatever, they're both participating in it, they're both doing it, and they're both part of the leftist majority. You have to sum, You have to say this again. So you got me. You got me fucked up, dude. So the college students who are in the protests. Uh huh. There's Palestinian mm -hmm. supporters. They're all leftists. Israeli supporters. Bo both sides are leftists. Sure. They're both leftists, right? So they're both part of the majority. They're both very vocal. They're both participating in a protest for free speech, which has hate speech, and they're both complaining about being offended by the hateful speech of the other group. Mm -hmm. So it's, okay, which one do you side with? You can't. It's not an obvious, oh, they're making a claim against hateful, hateful speech. They're in the right. 
will punish the other group because the other group is making the same claim. Mm. I don't, I don't, I, I see this as. Is that why it's such a dilemma? I see, no, I see this as good news. This is good news? This is good news for people that, like, it's news. It's news. Yeah. I don't think really. it's news that they want to report, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. I think they, they have to. I think they it's... have to. I think they're, they're, for, they've been forced to, because this, because yeah. like, it, it, I wouldn't say that 60 minutes was fair and balanced. Per no. se, it's a lot of garbage on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, like not addressing at all the points of like, hey, maybe we should like they, they went over slightly the like there's a small batch of discussion. They did go into it later that mm-hmm. there was another is like Dartmouth that had uh, that had a, a real communication board and whatnot. like they really had dialogue for years and years and years. But um, but it, it, in the major point of it all, it's like this is news coverage we don't want to let everything out. Let's ignore the fact that maybe, maybe we should stop sending weapons and arms sales to Israel or, you know, as you're going to go into in a little bit, uh, some other things that are going on with the UN. Yeah. But it, it just, it, I think they're just trying to keep that front covered. You know, I, I don't think they want to really deal with the issue at hand, but the only no. thing we'll show right now is the news coverage. So, so you're saying that it's it's just keep it front and center to not address the real issues. I, I don't know what solutions really happening with these. There is no minutes. solution. Right. It's just it's just people being fired and right. people being questioned and right. then they're not answering the question correctly and everybody's offended, everybody's upset, you know. And and that's what I mean by fair that the okay, so maybe it's not fair that the university is the stance that they're taking, but what I meant was what stance are they supposed to take on it? Mm. I mean I according to the free speech really both groups should be punished but also not punished because unless it's targeted specifically to individuals right so they should be allowed to do what they want to do protest i'm personally unless mm -hmm. they individually target people or they they cause damage like property damage or personal damage or whatever through an action i'm at this rate just enjoying it it, yeah, I'm it is at, entertaining. It, it is incredibly entertaining. It just keeps these. building, but it's the same thing. There's no progression. It just goes from campus to campus, and it just becomes more. There's more yelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's more yelling. The longer it goes, there's more yelling. Like, mm. what they really should be concerned about, and that's I guess the whole point of what I'm trying to get at is is stop arguing with each other. This this I mean yes. It doesn't affect us. That that's. I mean, I know they have family and whatnot, but you're well, here. Yeah, you're here. You're queer. Well, <laughs> uh, you should be a proud American, and and approve this sale. We have some breaking news in the Israel-Hamas war just a short time ago. The State Department announced the White House has approved $106 million in emergency arms sales to Israel. We have two reports on the war, NBC's Hala Garani is in Tel Aviv, but we're going to begin with NBC's Gary Grumbach, who's traveling with the president. He joins us from Los Angeles. Gary, what is Israel getting? Gary. So they are getting $106 million worth of essentially tank shells, which are really ammunition, if you will. It's about 14,000 pieces. Wait a minute. Weren't we out of, of like tank and artillery shells with Ukraine like not too long ago? Yeah, I thought so. That's what I thought. I, I thought they were, they were trying to break, uh, they're doing war crimes by selling them cluster bombs, cluster ammunitions. Oh, because they didn't have enough tank, like tank shells? Tank shells and artillery shells. So then where did all this come from? Right. Did they build them for of Ukraine it, and then uh, no Israel? Gets no, they've it always first. had them. They're just they're creating a uh, supply and it, supply and demand issue. 
ammunition here. And this is not a gift. This is a sale to Israel. But what they did here, what the State Department and the White House did, was completely bypass the regular process for arms sales to happen. Usually you have to go through Congress. It's a 30-day kind of waiting period where the congressional members get to review what happens, and then each side gets to vote on it. And then it goes to the White House for approval. That did not happen here at all. The State Department saying in a statement, quote, the United States is committed to the security of Israel and it is vital to U.S. national interests to assist Israel to develop and maintain a strong and ready self-defense capability. This proposed sale is consistent with those objectives. And Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has made several trips to the region where he's met with leaders who say this is exactly what they need. Alex? Why don't they get mad at that? <laughs> you know? Well, and so you remember, you remember what was it, two months ago for the, the government potential shutdown twice over a budget? Yes, people, some and of our friends And part of that was the, the, the budget for is Israel support, financial support. Israel. Israel. So, and that was why the government almost shut down. I mean, among other things. <laughs> so they couldn't agree on yeah. providing Israel aid or not. But then they can turn around and, without permission, just spend one hundred and six million dollars. No, they they didn't spend they didn't spend any money. Well, where did that? No, it's a sale. They just approved of a sale. Oh, so this is Israel spending the money. Yes. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But we're letting it happen. That's that's more of my gripes, Anna. Yes. Well, we're not. I mean, sure. Yeah, we are sure we are benefiting from it. But yeah. But it's like considering. What happened to this peace negotiation that we had? No, and you took my clip. <laughs> oh, I did. Well, I didn't have that clip specifically, but I was yeah, gonna it was play gonna Israel lead up Blinken. To, I was gonna lead up to that, but well, um, I set you up. Go for it. Oh, do you have anything else you'd like to? No, that's it. Okay, I wanted to start. <laughs> I was gonna lead up to it, so I was trying to get you there. Go on. Well, yeah, but you just like hopped over a lot of things. Um, I wanted to start with um, food exists. <laughs> All right. I want to start with um, Israel-Palestinian ceasefire from the BBC News, December 8th, 2023. To breaking news and the U.S. has vetoed the U.N. Security Council's demand for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Live to nine U.S. correspondent Jonathan Kersley. Jono, what's the latest? Wait, is his name Jono? Jono. Jono. Nine U.S. correspondent Jonathan Kersley. Jono, what's the latest? It is Jono. <laughs> Jono. Nothing Kersley. Jono, what's the latest? Well, right now, uh, this draft resolution oh. stands no chance of going anywhere. It called for a ceasefire in uh, the wait, Israel Hamas. Wait, right it. now, uh, yeah. this draft. It kind of sounds like Bruce the shark from Finding Nemo. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bruce. I'm Jono. What's the latest? Immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Live tonight, U.S. correspondent Jonathan Kersley. Jono, what's the latest? Well, right now, uh, this draft resolution stands no chance of going anywhere. It called for a ceasefire in uh, the Israel-Hamas conflict. It was put forward by the United Arab Emirates earlier today, and the United States has used its power on the 15-member United Nations Security Council to veto it. So the United Nations Security Council will not be calling for a ceasefire earlier. It had been suggested by America's ambassador to the UN that uh, they did not want this ceasefire to go ahead because they feared that another war could start uh, and that ultimately they said Hamas does not want what the United States wants, and that is a peace solution uh, based around a two-state solution. Israel also called uh, for the 15-member UN Security Council to reject it. 13 members voted for it. Britain abstained. America vetoed it. This is what America's ambassador to the United Nations had to say. 
While the United States strongly supports a durable peace in which both Israelis and Palestinians can live in peace and security, we do not support calls for an immediate ceasefire. This would only plant the seeds for the next war because Hamas has no desire to see a durable peace, to see a two-state solution. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres had warned the UN Security Council that the humanitarian situation in Gaza is on the verge of collapse. Uh, the United States says it is concerned about that humanitarian situation, but right now we are now two months and a day into the conflict since Hamas's attack on Israel. The fighting continues on the ground inside Gaza. So they're not that concerned about it. No. So there's... Okay, so, yeah, so the US vetoed a ceasefire the uk abstained which basically means they vetoed <laughs> they're just like i want zero yeah. part of this yeah. um <laughs> and and then and then now there there's claims that the humanitarian efforts are crumbling right they weren't good to start with right they, they've we, like they've never they've been, been saying this for like a month now. they've always been on the verge of right. crumbling right but it doesn't seem like many efforts have been put in, not as much as efforts to supply the IDF with enough ammo, right? <laughs> Allowing a sale. Allowing a sale. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there is still critique. So the U.S. always loyal to Israel, um, always got their back. Um, but now there's more criticism, uh, especially from Blinken. Israelis have been evacuating neighborhoods instead of entire cities. So focusing in what on a much neighborhood? more... Everything's blown to shit. What, <laughs> do you, what, does he, what does he mean? <laughs> no, I mean, have you seen with the evacuation plans? Oh. They're sectioned off so tiny. Really? It's just neighborhoods. Yeah, oh, so okay. it's like this neighborhood in particular evacuate. The other ones, you can stay. Oh, gosh. But then they just obliterate the, obliterate the, the whole entire fucking city. Place. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. Israelis have been evacuating neighborhoods instead of entire cities. So focusing in on a much more deliberate way on those who may be uh, in harm's way uh, as they conduct the, the campaign against Hamas. And there does remain a gap between exactly what, what I said when I was there, the intent to protect civilians and the actual results that we're seeing uh, on the ground. We continue to recognize the uh, extraordinary difficulty of this task as Israel is dealing with a terrorist adversary that intentionally embeds itself with civilians. But, again, Israel has an obligation to do everything possible to put a premium on protecting civilians and maximizing humanitarian assistance. So, can I ask a question that might be like a... You might scoff that I don't know the answer. It's fine. Okay. So, for the Iraq war, like, that was with Al-Qaeda, right? Say, say that name again. Al-Qaeda? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, that's a Texas answer. Al-Qaeda? Al Al-Qaeda? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Al. <laughs> Al. Hey, hey, Al. We're going to fight Al over there in the backyard. Yeah. Is, uh, that, is that right? Yes. So when we were going after them, did we bomb cities? Yes. Like to this extent? Yeah. What other methods did we use? Because they also were part of the civilian population yeah right? we, we killed like three million iraqis oh yeah so we're not much better to no say anything. no okay which is what's annoying I was gonna about say, it aren't there other methods besides just bombing and like how do you know for sure and we've said this before how do you know for sure that they're actually there you know especially you if, if they're actually there well if they're actually in the buildings oh. that you're bombing like yeah. and then the whole with the whole tunnel system like couldn't they just then 
move anywhere very easily wouldn't it be better if you just got rid of the tunnel system altogether and now what i read is that they want to gas those tunnels which would be which ironic <laughs> well it's okay because they're not jewish so mm. oh <laughs> i mean yeah because wouldn't they be hiding in the tunnels mm-hmm. well, because they there's so them. much that's, bombing that's the other top? thing i've read is that they're, they're they might flood them yeah but then also where are the hostages being kept right? in, in the yeah they don't know that they don't know that yeah they don't know where i thought they I, don't they have like 75 percent of them already i don't know i mean because what was there like 250 or something total and then they've given back like 100 some None of it feels consistent. No, it just yeah. keeps, yeah. Anyway. And there's like 10 here, you know, seven there that get released. And then ties, but ties don't count. So that's not really part of the main group. <laughs> they don't count. I'm serious. I, I don't even like. I know. They didn't count them in the total number. I don't know if they did. Anyway, you want to move on to ceasefire? Uh, Yeah. So ooh, let's just play it. I, I. You don't know what it so was. So this is from CNN. It doesn't matter. Let's just play it. I think. News Australia. To breaking news and the U.S. has vetoed the U.N. Security Council's demand for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. Live tonight, U.S. correspondent Jonathan Kersley. Jono, what's the latest? Jono, this was, oh, okay, we crossed clips. No, I knew I did this. I I recorded the wrong, I just recorded it twice. Okay, so let's move on to, um, okay, so where we're at now. So the U.S. has vetoed the U.N. vote for a ceasefire. Um, Blinken is criticizing Israel for not protecting civilians. There's a humanitarian crisis. Um, so let's go to Israel. Food exists. Jono. Not Jono. This is from Fox. That joining us, uh, is Major Jerome Spielman. Dog shit uh, audio. Where'd you get this from? Just, just give The IDF and, uh, Major. That joining us, uh, is Major Jerome Spielman of the IDF and, uh, Major... We appreciate oh, your time guy. today. We want to start off by uh, this guy was on a CNN. Uh, if it's the same dude, I think it's it's the same guy that did um, all these interviews. Like he brought people into the war, and they're like, "Look, there's the, uh, the reporters. Like you could smell the flesh. That uh, they're bulldozing like certain parts of of." Um, oh, I feel like I saw that clip. Yeah, I did show it to you. Yeah. We never played it on the show, but yeah. I think it's the same fucker. This guy's a Probably. he's constant now. This is really interesting. He also if it's the same dude, we should verify that. He also sounds very American. <laughs> oh, so maybe not. I don't know. This Let dude speaks. Okay. Secretary General recently uh, declaring that nowhere in Gaza is safe for civilians, and the situation is quote a spiraling humanitarian nightmare. The BBC also reporting that a senior UN aid official was warned that half of Gaza's population is starving. What are you able to see on the ground? So I was in the in the Gaza Strip a short time ago. And as we've seen from the very beginning, when Hamas launched the attack on October 7th, the situation on Gaza is not a great situation. No one uh, would want to put themselves in that situation. And my heart goes out to those people. I see them standing in lines for food. By the way, they are now shouting against Hamas in Arabic which uh, is actually a breakthrough. They understand that Hamas is behind this, and they're right, because the situation in the Gaza Strip is due to Hamas. My answer to this UN representative, and there are many of them out there, and I don't know where they have that uh, that, uh, information from, because there is food and water entering the Strip. The, The situation is, if Hamas was not everywhere in the Gaza Strip, it would be much easier. The more that we move forward and we're able to reduce Hamas, 
those areas where they are reduced, such as the humanitarian zone, when they don't go in there and shoot rockets, have more food. The key again, we are not looking, our war is not with the people of Gaza. It's with Hamas. Less Hamas means a better life for the people of Gaza. So, okay, but what about Israel shooting? <laughs> Dropping bombs into the humanitarian corridor, huh? They have done that, huh? Yeah, or restricting, like, or the other countries restricting border crossing access right. for humanitarian trucks. Like, so he... Food exists. He, yeah, so he's saying, no, 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 there's food, there's water. Okay, like how much though? <laughs> like there could be like a little bit. Um, so he's saying also a cup that, for everyone. Yeah, one cup. <laughs> so he's saying also that um, without Hamas there, the Gaza Strip, it's just Hamas causing the problem, right? Yeah. They're they're the only ones causing the problem. But <laughs> but this is Fox News too, so I, I wouldn't expect any less. Well, now we'll go to the next clip. Oh, this is BBC News about something that just happened. No, what's the title? You don't. You just label them Israel, 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 Israel. Okay. Last clip. New images appear to show dozens of Palestinian men oh, yeah. stripped to their underwear with their hands tied behind their back, being held by Israel Defense Forces. These images are at the beginning of Jeremy Bowen's report. A warning: you may find them disturbing. Hey, good job, by the way. That's, yeah, that's, that's, you're doing, that's, this is solid. Nice. Video emerged this afternoon of Palestinian men taken for interrogation. BBC staff recognized the town of Bethlehem in northern Gaza, and we've geolocated the video there too. Palestinian diplomats said these were savage images, evoking humanity's darkest times. The Israeli army said only that suspects were being interrogated. Posts on social media said the men had been sheltering with their families at a UN school and that others were Again, with this side deal, it's like they're, they're, this is war. It is. What part of, what part of this, this point is like, oh, it's this supposed to be a civil discussion. These two are, these, these two groups which have been at war for thousands of years well, yeah, will and always be at war. I know, and they both are, they both have had a very violent history yeah. against each other. They've both conducted they've never, very unethical They've never gotten things. along. <laughs> no, yeah. and that's the thing with the protest too, yeah. is like, what I don't understand is unless you have a relation a relation or a generational tie to one side, one part of it, how can you pick a side? Because both places have been awful to the other side. <laughs> so like, how can you say, oh, this side's better because more people have died? Like... <laughs> I don't know. Um, you really want to play the Israel-Palestinian ceasefire? I think you got your point. No, no, no. Yeah, no. That was yeah, just no. a double. No, so for so what he's talking... So the images for this, this last video of the interrogations, are truckloads of packed full of Palestinian men who are stripped down to their underwear, driving through the streets, and then they're all lined up on their knees at gunpoint, dozens of them, rows, all stripped to their underwear, just in the street, like publicly mm -hmm. humiliated there's a better way <laughs> there's a better way to go about with interrogations right <laughs> um and what it what well it's not interrogations what they're doing no no no. it's it's it, it's it's just humiliation it is and it's it's, it's torture yes it's just for being palestinian so my question is what are they basing off of them how how are they being classified as suspects like what evidence is telling them that they are part of hamas Besides being a Palestinian male. I mean, if there's... 
I don't know. Like they're clearly they're they're using them to try to get to get information, but going about this way, I don't know. So Gaza doesn't seem that great. It oh, doesn't good job. seem like it's just Hamas doing it. I mean, granted, a lot of it is, but it seems like there's other stuff going on that's just not great. <laughs> Again, but this has been said from the very beginning. I, so. I had set you up with a good closing clip, and you, you, you poo pooed it all over. Oh, it's okay. No, no, no. I got a. Do you have anything to add to this topic? Or no, I was, I was, tr- I was trying to close it. Oh, okay. I have a good closing one then. I, I was gonna do it for you. Yes. Yeah, Denny Beach. <laughs> let me. Ugh. Yes, let me. Okay, go ahead. I know which ones. They all say either blood donation or Israel. This one says saves Denny Blaine Beach. Uh, yeah, I can figure this has nothing to do with what we're talking okay, about. Okay, well, this is just Folks, a mouth just, just focus on this, all right? The, the, war's a racket. This is all ridiculous. But here's something fun. <laughs> on Wednesday, For, Seattle Parks and Recreation. It. Me, I'm just going to play this clip and we'll call it. We'll say our goodbyes. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm trying to close it off and you're just yeah. shitting on it. So just play it. God, all right. On Wednesday, Seattle Parks and Recreation heard testimony from people that used Denny Blaine and opposed a play area project that was set to be built near the nude beach. Say Denny Blaine Beach. What? I, this clip. So there's a there's a a nude beach in Seattle called Denny Blaine Beach, which is also oh, a the beach is called LGBTQI plus safe place in Seattle for the weirdos, as I said in the interview. Um, that there was a proposed playground to be built right by it, by a nude beach. Oh, I see. And they got denied. Yeah. To protect to to keep the safe. What to place keep the kids, the kids safe? Kids. Yeah. Okay. No, it was it was not phrased to keep the kids safe. It was phrased to keep the weirdos safe. <laughs> no way. Yeah, to keep a safe place open I'll for pl- them. I'll play that again. On Wednesday, Seattle Parks and Recreation heard testimony from people that used Denny Blaine and opposed a play area project that was set to be built near the nude beach. Say Denny Blaine Beach. I mean, it was a really long video, so I just took a tiny portion of it. You know what's funny? Out of all the clips that you have... This is the worst one? It, I'm not... You, we have like two to three minute clips, and then this I know, one's I just twelve seconds. To, I just wanted to introduce it. I just thought it was fun. Oh, we need more context. That's fine. Sure. Yeah, this is. Anyways, right. there is not going to be a playground built next to a nude beach in Seattle for the sake of the for the sake of the pedos. Okay. For the, for the sake of the gays, yeah. All right. Well, thank. You. Okay. I don't know if that was a great way to end it. Okay. Well. But that was yeah. <laughs> See, they kept saying "Save Denny Blaine" without really like I thought that was a person. No, it's the beach thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if you enjoyed our, our little shebang uh, and would like to just show that support, just so that's sh- just smash and hit that like button. Uh, no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, no, if if you if you want to show some support, really the support we're looking for is just you're listening and you care, uh, or just have something interesting to say or perspectives that we might not understand. Financial support doesn't hurt too. We're not gonna get financial <laughs> support. This is not. We're not looking for money. I know. Uh, yeah. This this won't happen. So. Um, but I mean, if you're listening to any podcasting on any podcasting 2.0 apps like Fountain or um, Podverse, there is a way for you to show that support through a Boostagram. Which, um, if you if you want to do that, <laughs> that's I'm gonna make it linked, not say it, but go that's for, also yeah. linked to. Um, you can send a message 
along with a satoshi nice which Jesus. is um, you sound like you sound like a foreigner that's trying to say sushi for the well, first every time. time i say it you criticize how i say it because you say it's satoshi okay well i said it correct now i'm yeah. just making sure um which is a part equivalent to 120th of a u.s penny so it's basically nothing um and you can send that with a message letting us know if you liked anything if you didn't um just saying hi letting us know you're listening and if you're not listening on a podcasting 2.0 app what are you doing um, yeah what are you doing switch over don't support spotify <laughs> wait this is not spotify though right no all oh, right okay cool so then you wouldn't be listening on a non-podcasting 2.0 app i don't know that i can't verify that i mean it, okay. it, it the rss feed might have been over you know actually i don't know well a question i should ask that if you're not you should be and if you don't want to send if you don't want to send a satoshi or be involved with bitcoin then you can send us an email and go fuck yourself <laughs> okay you should get with the 21st century you should <laughs> this shit's bananas man you can fucking you're you've completely cut out the middleman and just sending people fake money online yeah. you say hello people did this in their free time this is insane whatever Sorry. i mean if you're in support of the the third person the the middle guy then you, <laughs> you can send us um you can send us an email uh that is pleb to pleb dot podcast at gmail.com p-l-e-b the number two p-l-e-b dot podcast at gmail.com um and we hope to hear from you my name is Jorge. I'm Savannah. And you're listening to Just Plugs. Well, you just listened to it. You just listened to it, fuckers. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right, ciao. <laughs>